Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Kodo Cinema, the podcast show where I talk about movies. I'm your host, the myth, the legend, Mark Kodo. Hey, everyone, it's July. You know what that means? Well, if you guessed 4th of July, which is coming up this Saturday, that is true. But, like I said, it's not until Saturday. What I'm talking about is that July is the month where the first Back to the Future movie came out. Why is that? Well, July 3rd is when Back to the Future came out in July 3rd of 1985, marking it its, its 35th anniversary. Well, I am a couple of days early, but I like to talk about it. So this week is is gonna be it's gonna be Back to the Future, or should I say, this month is Back to the Future month. The Back to the Future franchise be- has become a groundbreaking film in the mid 1980s, with amazing storytelling, visual effects, characters, music, and performances, particularly of Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. Not only did the movie spawn sequels, but it spawned a video game. Uh, amazing attractions, pop culture references, and believe it or not, there is an actual musical production that came out in February of this year. I'm not making this up. There is there is an actual musical based on this movie. All three movies, Back to the Future Part 1, 2, and 3, were directed by Robert Zemeckis, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Bob Gale. On top of that, Steven Spielberg became executive producer alongside Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy. The music for the films was composed by Alan Silvestri. With all the talent that the film industry has back then, I wonder what the history on filming Back to the Future was like. So for today's episode of Kodo Cinema, I'd like to go back in time to tell you the history and behind-the-scenes stories of the Back to the Future movies. Today's episode is called Back in Time, the history of Back to the Future. All right, everybody, let's let's go back in time to where it all began, and here we go. And by the way, as always, spoiler alert. September 1980 is when the idea of Back to the Future came to mind by writer and producer Bob Gale. Bob visited his parents' house in St. Louis, Missouri after the release of Used Cars that came out in July 11, 1980. And he actually found his father's high school yearbook in, in the basement. While it is unclear what high school Bob's father went, but he did discover that his father became school president in his graduating class. This gave Bob a huge question. What would it be like if Bob came, became friends and go to the same school together? That question alone puts in uh, an idea of, a, of time traveling where, 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 where a teenage boy goes to the same school and becomes friends with his father, which is basically the, the plot of the film where Marty McFly goes to the same school and becomes friends with his father, George McFly. Robert Zemeckis... The director of Used Cars also liked the idea of time traveling as he was fascinated with the idea. So Zemeckis and, and Gale began writing the screenplay for Back to the Future. First, they want to know what they can use for a time machine. That is definitely a good question. One idea for a time machine, uh, one idea for, for a time machine is a refrigerator, which, which an atomic blast will be needed for the time machine to be set off to send... Marty from from the present, which is 1985 to 1955, the film setting. Does that sound familiar, folks? 
I'm pretty sure that is, but I will bring that up pretty soon. However, the refrigerator idea did not work out perfectly because Robert Zemeckis was worried that that the kids being that, that the kids being locked up in the refrigerator would be a would be a risky idea for time traveling. I mean, he is not he isn't wrong. Other reasons claim that it would be too expensive. Okay, that is true. Sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, the budget can can be risky too. Putting in too much money in the budget can skyrocket it. So the time machine was changed from a refrigerator to a car, which turned out to be the DeLorean that we know and love today. Sounds sounds like a good sounds like a good idea for a time machine, huh, folks? <laughs> Unfortunately, the refrigerator and the Nevada test site element will be later used in Steven Spielberg's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yep, you guys know where I was coming from out of that. And uh, Spielberg, I'll get to you in a minute because because uh, I know you were involved in the Back to the, Fu Back to the Future production, so uh, hang on, uh, hang on a few minutes. So the story was set in 1955 where a time-traveling 18-year-old boy from 1985, which is the name Marty, is meeting his parents the same age as him marking the age of teenagers and the culture that we are experiencing, including rock and roll. Five months later, Gale and Zemeckis finished the first draft of, of the Back to the Future screenplay in February 1981. They presented the script to Columbia Pictures, which the studio actually liked the script. However, the, the studio wanted the script to be, how do I say this, raunchier. And that is what Bob, Ge Bob Gale mentioned when he heard what Columbia Pictures said to him and Zemeckis about the script. They wanted the script to be raunchier. Okay. Oh, jeez. So, what can they do? So, Columbia Pictures recommended Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis to check in with Disney. Oh boy, that is going to be a fun story to hear out of that. However, Disney was not impressed with the script because the plot of the film also follows Marty's mom fall falling in love with her son. Disney did not like that idea for a family-friendly film under the Disney's name. Oh my god, that was, that was a pretty mis risky move to do, but... Uh, they, were, they wanted to check into different studios, so yeah. I can see that. And, yeah, I guess the script alone was in development hell for some time or something when finding the studio to distribute. Eh, you guys can decide. And I guess both studios had somewhat of a film interference with the script because one studio wanted the film to be raunchier and the other one thought it would not be family friendly. And I'll be honest with you, even, uh, even scripts like that they, they tend to go beyond, beyond expectations. Later, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale showed the script to director Steven Spielberg, who produced I Want to Hold Your Hand and Use Cars. Spielberg read the script for Back to the Future, and he loved it. However, Zemeckis and Gale were worried about bringing Spielberg on board because Bob Gale said, and I quote, we were afraid that we would get the reputation that we were two guys who could only get a job because we were pals with 
Steven Spielberg. And end quote. This brought attention because the trio collaborated on used cars and I want to hold your hand, which turned out to be critically acclaimed films, but box office disappointments. Okay, folks, I'm going to be totally honest with you going off topic. Uh, there are some films that back then that actually that actually critically acclaimed, actually pretty, pretty good films, but but did not hold up well at the box office. And for some reason, I don't know what reason, it didn't do well in terms of money, but it did well with the critics. So, yeah. Flash forward in time to either 1982 or 1983. I don't know. I don't know what uh, what year, but it was somewhere during that time where Robert Zemeckis will later go on to direct Roman *Romance the Stone*. Which came out in 1984 with Michael Douglas, Danny DeVito, and Kathleen Turner. On a side note, Kathleen Turner would later voice Jessica Rabbit in Zemeckis' next film, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which came out in 1988. Romance the Stone would become a critical and box office hit that made Zemeckis a name. After the release, Robert Zemeckis got his courage back to direct Back to the Future and team up with Steven Spielberg to produce the film. Spielberg sets up production at Amblin Entertainment with Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall to be executive producers. As production was starting to move forward, Columbia Pictures still has the script to Back to the Future, unless Columbia Pictures has legal problems that will force the studio to withdraw the script. And that, that is true. Sometimes the even studios can have legal problems which, which they can be forced to withdraw a movie script. And that is a, basically a true, true point in, in, some fil- in some film studios. At last, Universal Pictures... Actually, hang on. Hang on a second. I'm, I skipped a paragraph. So... Universal Studios decided to trade one of their films, Big Trouble, which has a similar plot to Double Indemnity, for the Back to the Future script. This was set up by Universal executive Frank Price, who was a formal formal executive at Columbia Pictures. At last, Universal Pictures got the rights to the film, which is Back to the Future. Although there were minor changes to the script from executive Sidney Scheinberg, the name from Marty's mom was changed from Meg to Lorraine, based off actress Lorraine Gary. Emmett L. Brown's name being changed from professor to doc, along with his pet chimpanzee, to a dog. Whoa, his, his, his pet was going to be a chimpanzee? That is, that is definitely something. The title itself was almost changed to Spaceman from Pluto, because there was never a movie that has future in the title. Especially the scene where Marty introduced himself as Darth Vader from Vulcan. That is still a good scene, by the way. (laughs) Oh, boy. Thankfully, the last two ideas were dropped because Zemeckis called Spielberg for help and dictated a memo to Scheinberg as they thought the title was a joke. The title alone was so embarrassing, they later dropped the idea. Looks like the film interference got backfired or something. In late 1984, with the production moving forward, 
A casting call for Marty McFly has started. The casting for Marty McFly was actually difficult because the first choice for Marty McFly was Michael J. Fox. Now, why was it difficult? Why was it difficult? The reason why, because Michael J. Fox was committed to the TV show Family Ties, and producer Gary David Goldberg did not want Fox to take time off from Family Ties to do Back to the Future. And that is true. Sometimes actors do have other priorities to do in, in TV shows or movies. That can be true, unless, unless they can work around the time. But that is not the case in this, in this part. The reason why, because Michael J. Fox was committed to the show, Family Ties, and producer... Ge oh, excuse me, I'm repeating myself. Other cast members included C. Thomas Hall, Eric Stoltz, John Cusack, and Johnny Depp were considered for the role of Marty McFly. Eric Stoltz was considered for the role of, of Marty McFly because he actually impressed the producers. And hey, that is definitely something. For Dr. Emmett L. Brown, Christopher Lloyd, John Lithgow, and Jeff Goldblum were the top three choices, with Lloyd being casted as the doc. Christopher Lloyd took inspiration from Albert Einstein and music conductor Leopold Stokowski. By the way, Lloyd pronounced, pronounced gigawatts as gigawatts. Leah Thompson and Crispin Glover were cast as Marty's parents, Lorraine and George McFly. J.J. Cohen was originally casted as the school bully Biff Tannen, but he was recast as one of Tannen's friends, friends named Skinhead. And no, no, I am not making this up. No, literally, that is one of the names for Biff Tannen's cohorts. Skinhead. That is, that is the name. That is the name as one of Biff Tannen's buddies. And on top of, and on top of that, Billy Zane plays Match, and Casey Simasco plays 3D, two of the other uh, Biff Tannen's buddies. And the person who played Biff Tannen, I'm pretty sure you people can guess, Thomas F. Wilson. Thomas F. Wilson was casted as Biff Tannen. The, the actor who played, played one, of the, um, one of the greatest high school bullies of all time. In, in film. And literally, Thomas F. Wilson as Biff Tannen was probably one of the greatest, uh, greatest decisions ever for Back to the Future. Okay. Claudia Wells portrayed Marty's girlfriend, Jennifer Parker, replacing Melora Hardin. And who can we forget? The principal of Hill Valley High School. James Tolkien as Gerald Strickland, the strict principal who hates slackers. If the principal does not scare or strict people enough, his ancestors like Marshall, Marshall James Strickland in Back to the Future Part 3 were also strict too. Talk about a family tradition that keeps the family strict. Filming takes place at Universal Studios. Mainly the town of Hill Valley and the McFly house was filmed in a town outside of Los Angeles. Basically, the entire town for uh, Hill Valley was filmed at Universal Studios and, uh, and the McFly House was filmed outside of Los Angeles. Principal photography started in November 1984. However, a few weeks later, Robert Zemeckis knew something was up. 
Something was going on in production, I guess. Zemeckis liked Stoltz's acting ability. And yes, that is definitely the case. Eric Stoltz. He noticed something was up with him. And, and to be fair, he liked his acting ability, but he did not see the comedy within him when playing the character Marty McFly. Bob Gale also explained that Stoltz acted out the character. Even though Stoltz agreed that he was wrong for the role, he even agreed with that too. While it made sound like, like the production was a bit screwed up, a lot of scenes were filmed with Eric Stoltz. That was basically the problem because a few weeks into production for Back to the Future, Eric Stoltz, Eric Stoltz scenes were filmed and, uh, and most of it was filmed, but Zemeckis knew something was up. He didn't see the comedy within Stoltz. So, so Zemeckis talked with Steven Spielberg, and they both realized if they had to uh, replace Eric Stoltz, then they know reshooting the scenes will cost more than the budget, but they decided to recast anyway. In January of 1985, Michael J. Fox's schedule was opened. The Back to the Future crew made a deal to Goldberg that the family ties will be his priority, and if there's, there's a schedule issue, then family ties is a win, meaning that uh, family ties will go, will go on, be Michael J. Fox's main priority. Michael J. Fox read the script. Zemeckis and Gale were impressed. Fox was casted. There we go. Mission accomplished. Production went back on track. It was unclear what the original schedule was like for Eric Stoltz, but for Michael J. Fox, it was different because Fox had to film Family Ties by day and Back to the Future by night. On weekdays, he filmed from 6.30 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. and Fridays from 10 p.m. to either 6 or 7 a.m. and only slept for about five hours. And I'll be totally honest with you, it sucks to not have enough sleep. But as an actor who is filming back-to-back -back projects, that person is committed to the role, no matter what. And that is very common in the film and TV industry, where you are committed to a role, whether as an actor or filmmaker or anything else. While Michael J. Fox found it exhausting, it was his dream to be in the film and TV business, and that is something. On April 20th, 1985, principal photography was done. The release date was originally planned for May, but was later push pushed to August, but moved it up to July 3rd, 1985. The visual effects for Back to the Future was created by Industrial Light and Magic with animation supervisor Wes Takahashi. Composer Alan Silvestri composed the film's score, and he made it as grand and epic. He did it to only impress Steven Spielberg, because Spielberg did not enjoy much of the score for rom from Romancing the Stone. I think that's, that, that is basically the, the name of the film, Romancing the Stone. As I uh, mentioned before, I think I said it as Romance the Stone, but it's actually Romancing the Store, so yeah. The songs Back in Time and Power of Love were written and performed by Huey Lewis and the News. At last, July 3rd, 1985, a classic was born. Back to the Future became a hit with audiences. 
and critics who described the film as a fun-filled time-traveling adventure. Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd as Martin McFly and Dr. Emmett L. Brown were praised. The story was praised, including the special effects, music, and characters were amazing. On top of that, Robert, Zeme Robert Zemeckis was praised for his direction and the way of how he and Bob Gale were able to balance science fiction, humor, and seriousness. The film was nominated for four Academy Awards, winning one for Best Sound Effects Editing. It was also nominated for three others, including Best Sound, Best Original Song for The Power of Love, and Best Original Screenplay for Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. Back, Back to the Future became one of the greatest films of all time. With the film's success, a sequel was born. The reason why? Well, where we go, we don't need roads. Let us flash forward in time to, to 1989, where Back to the Future Part 2 came out. The film itself was mixed upon release, but some critics found the sequel to be one of Robert Zemeckis' greatest films of all time. The, produ the production for Part 2 took, took two years to set up and film because of the futuristic setting of 2015. That's right, folks. Part 2 took place in the future of 2015. Production designer Rick Carter did the futuristic production design for this film. In a similar st style to Blade Runner, Wes Takahashi returned to do more visual effects and animation for the film. Bob Gale wrote most of the script for Part 2, while Robert Zemeckis was directing Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Zemeckis was also concerned about the future because of the inaccurate predictions, and to be fair, that is understandable because some predictions of the future can turn out wrong, and... And that is, that is definitely tough to, to do when writing a, a screenplay. However, Zemeckis mentioned that, that the time paradoxes will be a great opportunity when traveling back to 19, 1955. Most, uh, most of the original cast returned for the sequel. Actors Crispin Glover and Claudia Wells did, did not return. Claudia Wells was set to return as Jennifer Parker, Marty's girlfriend, but she left due to personal problems, so Jennifer Shu was cast. As a result of it, the ending scene from the first film was reshot for the second film. If Jennifer Parker's recasting wasn't that all surprising, Crispin Glover's was. Crispin Glover was set to return, but he couldn't come to an agreement with the producers about his salary for, for the film. As a result of it, Glover was replaced by Jeffrey Weissman, who wore prosthetics to, to resemble Crispin Glover's. And by the way, archive footage of Crispin Glover from the first film wa was used in the 1955 sequence for, for part two. However, Crispin Glover successfully filed a lawsuit against the producers of the film for using his likeness without permission, which is now a clause in the Screen Actors Guild. Other than that, the production, or Back to the Future Part 2, I should say, went back to back with Back to the Future Part 3. Part 3 took place in the Old West, and Zemeckis thought it was a good idea to do. The, the sets for the Old West in 1885 was built from scratch and filmed in Jamestown and so Sonora, Ca California. 
The train sequence was filmed at Railtown 1897 Historic Park. The schedule for Part 3 was a bit grueling because of the back-to-back dates between Part 2 and 3, but the cast members found the schedule for Part 3 to be relaxing, so, so there's a silver lining right there. Cast, cast members were signed on for Part 3, and Thomas F. Wilson was not only returned to play Biff Tannen, but he played his ancestor, Buford Mad Dog Tannen. Oh boy. Fun fact, Thomas F. Wilson did his own stunts for the film. And by the way, having an actor doing his own stunts, his or own stunts, takes a lot of courage and guts. Newcomer Mary Steenburgen was cast as Doc's love interest, Claire Clayton. Veteran Western film actors Pat Buttran, Harry Carey Jr., and and Dub Taylor played saloon old-timers. In fact... You may recognize Pat Buttram from his voiceover work in classic animated Disney films like Aristocats, Robin Hood, The Fox and the Hound, A Goofy Movie, and I'm pretty sure I'm missing a couple. Alan Silvestri returned to compose both sequels, and ZZ Top played the Old West style band, including the song Double Back. Part 3 became a satisfying conclusion to not only Part 3, but the entire trilogy as a whole. And there you have it, folks. What do you think? Was there anything that I left out from the production history? Please let me know. The Back to the Future trilogy became a huge success that spawned into pop culture with the TV show, a ride, musical, and many, many more. And in my opinion, Back to the Future is the is the greatest movie franchise of all time. And... And with the first film, the first film, Back to the Future, that came out in 1985, is literally an amazing film. One of the greatest films of all time. Even, even over 30, 30 years, especially 35 years, it continues to wow audiences. Back to the Future Part 2 came out in 1989, which, is, which was 31 years old. And Part 3. Part 3 came out in 1990, which we will also be celebrating its 30th anniversary. Both Part part 1, 35 years old, and Part 3, 30 years old. That is definitely an anniversary to remember. And next week, I will be reviewing the first Back to the Future movie. So... So next week, so next next week, Back to the Future month will be continuing with the, with the review of Back to the Future Part One. Thank you for tuning in to Kodo Cinema. I'm your host, the myth, the legend, Mark Kodo. Remember, remember to watch movies and stay positive. Bye. <laughs>